Beautiful song that was. What a great reminder uh, that uh, that time time is running out, and it really is running out. You say we may have another hundred years. Well, uh, I would call that time running out in the scope of uh, the last six thousand. That's running out. <laughs> okay, we're we're coming to the end of it all. How many how many are still? Um, Still on a an L tryptophan hangover. How many had turkey on Thursday? You know the amino acid L tryptophan. It makes you sleepy, right? And I think uh, I think somebody had too much turkey. And uh, hopefully you'll wake up here in a little bit. And uh, how many how many do how many never have a um, a traditional American Thanksgiving meal? You do something else besides all that turkey and all that fun stuff. Is it you wanted to? <laughs> I, I, I am a traditionalist. I, I, love, I love the traditional turkey stuffing, mashed potatoes, cranberry sauce, and uh, pie, 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 pie. All sorts of pie. Pumpkin pie. I like all of that stuff. There's this thing going around. See, I knew I could get you woke up. There's a thing going around, and it shows this pumpkin pie, and it shows how do you like it. And it shows pumpkin pie, then it shows one with a little bit of whipped cream, then one more. And then the last photo is just a pile of whipped cream, and there's a pumpkin pie under there. And that's, I like that one right there. That's the one I like. So, anyway, well, you know what? It's, thank the Lord that we live in such a country that we could talk about food in such a way. I mean, really, so many of us had a spread of food, leftovers, gorged, uh, borderline gluttony, and uh, we'll do it again in about a month, and I'm looking forward to that too. <laughs> so anyway, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Amen. Amen. And uh, you know what? It could end at a moment, and it's only the grace of God and the mercy of God. We aren't scrounging in a gutter somewhere because we have rejected God as a whole. This nation has thumbed their nose at God, and uh, it is it is amazing that we have what we do have today. And we're thankful for that. Thankful for Tuesday night. Had a wonderful time observing the Lord's Supper. A wonderful time of testimony. I love those. And I heard later there are some that wanted to give testimony as well and didn't get around, that weren't able to just kind of get around to it. And, and uh, just thankful for what the Lord has done. Thankful to be able to come together as a body and absorb the, uh, uh, observe the supper. And, uh, and I'm just uh, really thankful for everybody that was able to be here for that. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 this morning, Brother Jim read our text. I'm not going to really spend any time reading that again. We've read that though. And it's, if you remembered from about a week ago or so, God has, a, um, has determined that, that He is only approached by faith. We only come to God by faith. The Bible says that him that comes to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We come by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The Bible says not only faith in just coming to God in salvation, but faith on a day-to-day basis of living. We are to live daily by faith. We are to step out daily by faith. That is what, that is what moves God in our life when we step out by faith. When we step back and we just don't want to lead by faith, when you know what happens, you'll hear this. I just don't see God. I just don't see God working. I just wish God would show up. I just wish I could see the power of God. Well, why don't you step out by faith where he's told you to and he'll show up. Amen. Amen. 
So God is approached by faith. Faith in what? Blind faith? People say that. Haven't you heard that? Oh, I don't believe in that blind faith. Well, I don't either. The, fa- the faith that we're talking about is based upon what God has said. Right? God, not blind faith. We, we, we base everything on the Word of God. What He has said. What He has done. What He has done. God became man. The second man, the person of the Godhead, put on human flesh, was born of a virgin, came and lived upon this earth for 33 and a half years, give or take a month or two, and uh, died a sinless, impeccable life and shed His blood, the atoning blood for our sin. We have faith in what he did. It was God's blood for man's blood. It was God's blood that washes away a sin. And anybody who comes by faith, believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ, Paul says they shall be saved. You can write it down. Listen, it is a promise by two mutable things that is impossible for God to lie. Amen. Listen, if you come to him by faith, you're going to leave a saved man. You're going to leave a saved woman. You're going to see, leave a saved boy and girl. And we saw here that the invitation is open in verse 12 to Jew or Greek. It's open to, it's not, listen, salvation wasn't always only just to the Jews. Nebuchadnezzar got saved. Nineveh got saved. I'm telling you, it has always been to the whosoever will. The thing was, is that Israel was the vehicle, supposed to be the vehicle, not only for the Messiah, but for the, for the, for the spreading of the word of God throughout the world. And they didn't do it. They, didn't, they, they even rejected their Messiah. Yeah. And God says, he says, well, fine. I'll provoke you to jealousy. And I'll find a people that you can't stand, these Gentile dogs. And you know what? They'll take it throughout the whole world if you won't. And we have. Thank the Lord. It's to Jew or to Greek, verse 13. Look at this. He sums that up. It's to whosoever will. This salvation. Do you notice here, and I mentioned this about a week ago, I I guess, or so, that Paul mentions nothing about the elect or the non-elect. The target is not nationality, Right? The distinction is on who will or who won't. It's not whether you're chosen by God. We're all, everybody's chosen in Christ, but not many say yes. Those who have said yes, you know, you're predestined in Christ to be conformed to his image. We don't have time to get into that. But I'm telling you, if you don't understand this and you don't, you don't watch this, and I understand that not everybody watches things like I watch things, but there is a theology out there that believes that God has only chosen a few people to be saved and the rest he has chosen to be damned to hell forever. That is a lie that is an abject lie of the devil. Yeah. Paul says here, by the Holy Spirit of God, whosoever will may come. So if you want to come to Jesus today, you just come. Just go ahead and come. If you want to call on Jesus today, just call on him and he'll save you. Now let me ask you this. I've got a question though. If there is a body of facts and information that, that, that you have to believe, don't you have to know them before you can believe them? I know that's a, that's a really simple question. I may have worded it to sound more than it really is. No, if you're going to believe something, listen, you've got to know what you're going to believe. If, if you're going to believe that man went to the moon, you've got to heard about all the whole thing that, about man going to the moon. And some people have heard all of that and they still went to their death believing that we never went to the moon, right? 
if you're going to if you're going to believe that the world and the the world's round and not flat, right? You're going to have to have some information to show you that you believe the world is round and not flat. There's people out there that still believe in a flat Earth. Okay, so notice this here in our text. Paul is going to start with a few logical questions. Do you see this? Jim read this in verse 14. I'm talking about information we have. Listen, you have to have information to believe if you're going to believe something. You've got to know it. And Paul starts with these questions. Really, they're rhetorical questions. And a rhetorical question is a question asked to make a point rather than to get an answer. They're making, Jesus did it constantly. He had rhetorical questions that he knew the answer. He wasn't looking for the answer. He was trying to make a point. Paul is doing the same thing here by the Holy Spirit. These rhetorical questions. Look what he starts out in verse 14. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? He's making a point. Amen. Salvation isn't by works. Titus 3, 5. Right, you know, not of works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Right? His salvation is not by works, salvation comes by faith. Watch, if somebody refuses to believe, they're not going to call upon him. Okay? We were on visitation yesterday, and going through this one area, knocked on a door. This guy came to the door. I could, the wide open door, he's standing there, his wife sitting, or girlfriend, I don't know what she was, sitting over there in the chair. And I told him, we're from Calvary, I'm from Calvary Baptist Church, which is going through the neighborhood today. I'd like to ask you, do you attend church anywhere? I could tell they didn't, but they, I, you know, you ask, you know, a little icebreaker there. And he says, no, we just moved here. I said, oh, where'd you move from? Kentucky. Oh, great. Did you go to church in Kentucky? Yeah, I went to a little Pentecostal church. Oh, great. I said, let me ask you this. If you're to die today, you know what happened to you? You know you're, where you'd go? And the lady sitting in the chair says, she says, hey, I believe God, but I don't believe you can know if you're going to heaven. I said, well, Paul said, I know who I believe in and persuaded that he is. No, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about this. I'm sitting here drinking a beer. I don't want to talk about this. That's what she said. But at like 1030 in the morning, almost 11 o'clock, I'm drinking a beer. I don't want to talk about this. I said, okay, that's fine. I'll let you go. I said, but before I go, I will tell you, you can know. You can know. You know what you realize? You know why somebody like that says that you can't know? Because if you come to the conclusion that you can know, all of a sudden you're responsible to make a decision. Watch, there were things that she wouldn't believe. She says, I'm not believing this. Why? Because she wasn't going to call upon the name of Jesus Christ. There was no way she was going to do that. Paul says that they they that call upon him, how should they call upon him whom they have not believed? We see there are those that uh, don't call because they won't believe, because they don't want to believe, or maybe because they don't have the information to believe. But some have, listen, some do not believe Some do not believe because they've never heard the offer. Some some don't believe because they don't want to believe. Some don't believe because they've never heard the offer. They've never been in a church. They've never been given a gospel tract. They've never had anybody knock at their door and ask them if they knew if they died today, if they know where they would spend eternity. Again, yesterday, about a few doors down, ran into another door. Man comes out. I, again, introduced myself where we were from. Told him, asked ask him if he'd ever been in church. He said, never. I said, really? I've never been in church in your life? Well, I asked him, do you go to church? And normally they'll say no. And I'll say, have you ever been in church? More and more it's happening, folks. They'll say never. I said, how old are you? He said, 35. 
I said, where are you from? Are you from here? He goes, Ozark. Grew up right here in Ozark. So you've grown up in Ozark under the steeple of church after church after church after church after church. And he can say in 35 years, I've never been in a church. And I dare say he probably hardly ever got a gospel track if he ever got one at all. Some people just don't know because they've never heard. How shall they believe on him on who they have not heard? See, it's not rocket science, right? You can't believe something you've never heard. Paul says, how shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him and whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? You see this in verse 14? How shall they hear without a preacher? What is a preacher? A preacher is a herald, not the name herald. I used to think the angels, how they knew those angels were names were herald. Hark the herald angels things, yeah. No. They were herald angels. <laughs> All right, I wasn't real bright as a kid, okay? I found it out well into my 20s. I figured that out. But <clears throat> A herald is somebody who proclaims after the manner, the definition is after the manner of a herald, as a town crier who would sit at the noon hour of the day maybe and cry out the news of the day loud enough to be hear, heard. The, the, this, this preacher, this herald, it, it says it's always with the suggestion of formality of gravity and of authority which must be listened to and obeyed. I love that definition with, with formality and gravity. Well, you know what? If something is serious, there's going to be a formality to it. Could you imagine your brain surgeon coming in in his pajamas and saying, yeah, we got you all set up about 2 o'clock tomorrow. I got my alarm set. I'll be there, buddy. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> You'd be like, okay, I think I'm going to find somebody else. Right? I like formality. No, there's a reason why I preach in a suit, friend. This is an important message. This is, this is gravity. This is, a, this is a message of gravity. People are dying and going to a lost hell. It's not something I'm going to sit up here with a, with a Hawaiian shirt untucked and flip-flops and just sit around and devotionalize. Amen. Yeah, amen. I know people don't like it. Whatever. Yeah. No, they've left. No, they've, le they've walked away. We haven't. It's always been this way. Don't let them make you feel dumb or anything like that. They've walked away. This, this preacher, this here, how shall they hear without a preacher? Listen, there is a major difference between preaching and teaching. Teaching is the dissemination of facts that you can take or leave. You can add them to your, your, your repertoire of knowledge that you have, and you can go out with a lot more useless facts like Jim and I have. We've got lots of those, don't we, brother? You can just add those to there. But preaching, preaching is delivering facts and information and truth that must be obeyed. You are going to make a decision today. After I am done here this morning, you're going to make a decision whether you're going to obey God God, or you're going to walk away and say no. That is preaching. The point of preaching is to bring about change in our life. You know, a lot of modern teaching, you know what it is? All it is is a bunch of self-help gurus that add Bible to it to try to make your life better today. I, I'm more worried about eternity than today, friend. Do you realize in the, in the realm, in the scope of eternity, your life will not even show up on the map, on the radar. It'll be such a blip, it won't even show up. And here we are so consumed with all of our comfort and everything in this life. What about eternity, friend? What about eternity? It's to bring about change in our life.
Bible preaching is God speaking. And when God speaks, obedience should follow. That's why we have an invitation. Invitation gives the opportunity after the preaching to obey in heart before you go out and obey in action. To tell God, I'm in. To tell God, I heard you loud and clear. I'm in. You're going to have to help me now. I need your grace, but I'm in. I'm going to do it. Yeah. It's an opportunity to obey before Satan gets a hold of the, of the seed of the word and snatches it away and distracts you with something else. You ever notice you walk out about, well, maybe at the end of the prayer, you get out in the aisle of the pew going out, you've almost forgot everything ever went on. Yeah. How shall they hear without a preacher? Speaking in front of a crowd, whether it's a church or a religious gathering, is not always preaching. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you if, if you, if I'm gone from here someday, and I'll be dead eventually someday, you know, but if this, somebody else is here after me, don't ever let somebody get up and say, so-and-so is going to be speaking today. No, I hope they're going to be here preaching today. There's a difference between speaking and preaching, amen? amen. I know I'm meddling right now, but come on. We have gone away from Bible preaching. People don't like it. Why? They don't want to. Let's watch. Do you know why people leave here a lot of times? They don't want to be forced to change. They don't want to be forced to grow. They'll say, oh, I'm not growing. No, you don't want to grow. Yeah. Exercises and speaking before a crowd is not always preaching. Why? A lot of times there's no gravity. There's no authority. There is, there is, no, there is nothing to obey. Listen, listen to this. There is no urgency. Calvinism, Reformed theology has destroyed the urgency of the gospel. Amen. Yeah. And now you have all these so-called independent Baptists that are going out preaching like a bunch of Calvinists. And they have no urgency in their preaching. They just want, hey, I'm an expository preacher. But expository preaching without application is just, just a bunch of teaching. It's wonderful. It has its place. But it's not, it's not what God chose to bring change about in your life. We need urgency. People are going to hell. That's pretty urgent, folks. Yeah. They don't call out sin. They don't require growth and godliness. Yeah. They don't warn of coming judgment. Can I tell you something? You're a child of God here today. Can I remind you? You're going to the judgment too. What you have done, what we have done in this life, what we have not done in this life is going to affect our position in eternity. You say, well, I'm going to heaven, bless God. Well, so am I. Amen. But you know what? In the, in the millennial reign of Christ, when we rule and reign with him, I don't want to be a dog catcher, man. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Right. I don't know. We were coming home the other day and our car has XM radio listening to uh, Fox News. Tucker Carlson was on. It was kind of interesting. So when we got home, I got my computer out and I hacked into this free, you can watch them free. I didn't really hack. I don't even know how to hack. I just said that. But there's these websites that uh, you can get on that you can watch them live. I'm like, oh. So I got on my, my internet and I typed in uh, Fox News Live, whatever, free. And it popped up, okay? And I'm watching Tucker Carlson. It's pretty fascinating. And uh, <clears throat> this ad came on in interim there, came on, and it was it was said it said this heaven this was it what it said um, heaven or not this was the ad are you going to heaven or not 
That's all it ever said. So I got on the website, heavenornot.com, whatever. And that's all it said. It never one time mentioned hell. Never one time said, are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? It said, heaven or not. Oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? No, that's not preaching. That's not warning. That's not the urgency of hell. I don't know. I, I think, un, unfortunately, we, we tend to lose the urgency and in the, in the awfulness of what hell really is. Do you ever sit sometimes and just meditate on that? Do you ever sit sometimes and ask the Lord just to open your eyes and watch the throngs of people going by you, understanding that, uh, uh, that, uh, that soul after soul is dying and spending an eternity in hell? No, we're told to preach against that. We're told to preach in warning of that. Timothy was told to preach the word. John the Baptist came preaching. Jesus came preaching repentance. The disciples were commissioned to preach the word. The first church, the church that Jesus started, they said it went about house to house daily preaching Jesus Christ. They preach the word of God. Isaiah 58 and verse 1, uh, he, it says this, Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and, and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. It's all right to get loud. Amen. You ever see, hey, you ever see on the political when they're, they're, when they're running for president and they start screaming? Remember that one lady that ran? I don't want to name, name her name. That shrill, all the time. Yeah, why? Her message was urgent. For her, not for the country, thank the Lord. It's urgent for her. Yeah. Screaming, walking at her one time. Janine, I've already told you this. Jude, her grandson, comes out. It's been a couple years ago. He looks up and he goes, what were you yelling about up there? <laughs> like, it was, I don't know. It's important, all right? It was important. <laughs> I love it. Some of you have thought it too. Don't, don't worry. You just haven't verbalized it. Over in, over in Ezekiel chapter 21 verse 12 says, he, Ezekiel was told to cry and to howl and to slap the thigh. Why? It's an urgent message. He says, preach and tell my people of their transgressions and of their sins. There's urgency. Why? There's coming destruction. Can I tell you this morning if there is a bridge out? And uh, could you imagine how many have gone over the Shell Knob Bridge? That's a long way down there, about 80 feet down to the water down in there. Could you imagine if that thing was gone? Yeah, cars are just coming, just coming by you just as fast as normal. Don't even realize it. Maybe it's raining. Maybe it's nighttime out. It's dark and they can't see it. And could you imagine the guy that just sat on the smile of the road, on the side of the road with that, with that Joel Osteen smile and said, you can have your best life now, friend. You can, amen. <laughs> no, if it, no, if there were, if it was really out, the guy would be out in the middle of the road screaming and yelling and jumping up and down and telling people to stop and go the other way. Yeah. How shall they hear without a preacher? Yeah. Notice next here the information that has got to be believed. It doesn't go out on its own. Obviously, the preacher. Someone has to take it to the ones who need it. See, watch here. You kind of have two people groups. You have the pastors and the, pre- and the people. And you have really two locations I'm noticing here. The preaching comes from the pulpit, but not only that, preaching comes from the pews. You say, where, why do, where, where do you find that? How shall, they, how shall they hear without a preacher? Do you know he, said, he didn't say without a pastor. 
He didn't say, how shall they hear without an elder? He didn't say, how shall they hear without a bishop? He didn't say, how, the, how shall they hear without somebody who's been trained in seminary to go out and tell them? No, he said, how shall they hear without a preacher, a herald, somebody who'll take the good news and go out and warn the lost that they're dying and on their way to an eternal hell? That's you, folks. It's not just me. It's you. It's you and it's you. You're a preacher. Every believer is a preacher of the gospel. Men, you're a pre- man, you're a preacher. Lady, you're a preacher. Don't, don't. I'm gonna have to correct that later. You, you, no, you, you know what I mean by that. Amen. Yeah. Children, you're preachers. If you have the good news, you have the responsibility to warn others. Look at this. How shall they preach except they be sent? There's another rhetorical question Paul asks. In the ancient times, news and information traveled by people. They really, it kind of still does even today. Remember, if you go back a little ways, we had the Pony Express and information was brought that way. But even today, we still have the mailman. We still have mail show up if they feel like it. It comes in. See, in Bible times, those who were physically able were the ones who were chosen to run messages back to the king or back to the kingdom. Many times it, the runner was bringing back news concerning the battle that they might be in. Turn back to 2 Samuel chapter 18. I'm going to show you this. And Paul's drawing off some of this Old Testament. And even in Paul's day, it still happened. Really, it was kind of the origin of the, of the Olympic Games and the Isthmus Games that these runners would come in and run information. They were, they were uh, lauded for their ability and what they, what they accomplished and what they did. Look at uh, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 18. Second Samuel chapter 18. Look at verse 19. Remember, Absalom had tried to abdicate the throne of David. Finally, David fled. The, the military has come out. They've cornered Absalom. He got his bunch of hair all caught up in a tree, and there's a lot of illustrations and preaching on that, and uh, 1 Corinthians 11. And um, he was killed. They killed him there. Shoved a dart into his heart, a couple darts, killed him, brought him down, and uh, it was time to go back and tell David. Look at verse 19. Then said Ahimehaz, the son of Zadok, let me now run and bear the tidings, I'm sorry, bear the king tidings, how that the Lord hath avenged him of his enemies. So watch this. Ahimehaz thought this was going to be good news. Remember this, good news. Look at verse 20. And Joab said unto him, Thou shalt not bear tidings this day, but thou shalt bear tidings another day. But this day thou shalt bear no tidings, because the king's son is dead. So this isn't really good news. This is actually bad news. Look at verse 21. Then said Joab to Cushai, Go tell the king what thou hast seen. And Cushai bowed himself unto Joab and ran. Then said Ahimehaz, the son of Zadok, yet again to Joab, But howsoever, let me, I pray thee, also run after Cushai. And Joab said, Wherefore wilt thou run, my son, seeing that thou hast no tidings ready? But howsoever, he said, Let me run. And he said unto him, Run. Then Ahimehaz ran by the way of the plain and overran Cushai. And David sat between the two gates, and the watchman went up at the roof over the gate under the wall and lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man running alone. And the watchman cried and told the king, and the king said, If he be alone, there is tidings in his mouth. And he came apace and drew near, and the watchman saw another man running. And the watchman called to the porter and said, Behold, another man running alone. And the king, he also bringeth tidings. 
And the watchman said, Methinketh the running of the foremost is like the running of Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, David said, He is a good man and cometh with good tidings. You know what I'm starting to think here? That there were categories of runners. Ahimehaz, okay, you're going to run with good news. Cushai, you run with bad news. Remember, Joab said, no, you're not running today because the king's son is dead. Ahimehaz thought it was good news. Why? Because David's men were, were loyal to David, and, and they believed that, uh, that uh, they spared David from his kingdom being taken by his son uh, Absalom. So what do you have here? Good news and bad news. They're both running. They both wanted to run. They're both running. David saw Ahimehaz coming. He said, oh, this is good news. This is good news. All right? He's a good man and cometh with good tidings. Verse 28, And Ahimehaz called and said unto the king, All is well. He really thought it was. Why? Because his, his king has been spared. The kingdom is okay. And he fell down to the earth upon his face uh, before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which hath delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against the Lord my king. See, good news. Verse 29, the king said, is the young man Absalom safe? He didn't even care about his kingdom. He wanted to know about his son. And Ahimehaz answered, when Joab sent the king's servant and me, thy servant, I saw a great tumult and I knew not what it was. And the king said unto him, turn aside and stand there. And he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushai came and Cushai said, tidings, my lord, the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, And the enemies of my lord the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee. O Absalom, my son, my son. Good news and bad news. What, what Ahimehaz thought was good news, David thought was bad news. And Cushai was the one who brought the bad news. Do you know we're living in a day of good news and bad news as well? This is what Paul is drawing off of, these old runners that would run with information to know how the battle is going. We are in a day of good news and bad news. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And we've been given a command to tell as well. Do you notice Joab had to give the permission? The captain of the army, he had to tell them they could go. They, uh, him, he asked, asked permission. Joab said no. He asked again and Joab finally says, fine, go, whatever, go. Run. Yeah. We've been, watch, we've been given a command to run and tell as well. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, Go ye, plural, Y-E, plural, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So Paul is saying here, how shall they hear, how shall they preach except they be sent? Listen to me this morning. You have been sent. You have been sent. You've been sent. I have been sent. We have been sent. If you're a born again believer this morning, Jesus Christ has commissioned us to preach the gospel to every creature. Yeah. And really, I think this is the answer to Paul's rhetorical question. Preach the gospel. Preach the word of God. They need to hear it. You have been sent. Well, I don't know enough. Really? Can't you just tell them that Jesus saves? 
Can't you hand them a tract? Wait, can't you get in your Bible and begin to read and study yourself? Do you not have the same indwelling spirit that illuminates the Word of God so you can know the Word of God? Do you? I think, you, I, I, I think we're all right there, right? Yeah. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? Finally, look at this. There's a beautiful picture draw, Paul draws here in verse 15. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. If you turn back to Isaiah chapter 52, you'll see exactly what is being quoted here. Isaiah chapter 52, look at verse 7. Here it is. How beautiful... Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, and publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bring good tidings. Can I tell you feet aren't beautiful? Feet are downright creepy sometimes, aren't they? <laughs> they can be dirty. They can be calloused. They can be weird. Yeah. Especially in this day when Paul was writing, so many would have had sandals. So many might have just been barefoot. And the calluses upon the feet, they washed them. That was a, watch, that was a job for servants to do, to wash nasty, dirty feet. And here the Holy Spirit is saying through Paul, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. How beautiful are those feet. See, the gospel is so good. The gospel is so beautiful. The gospel is so hopeful. The message is so good that even nasty feet bringing something that good can look beautiful. Amen. Like those ancient runners who brought news of victory to a worried kingdom. So is that man, so is that woman, that boy and that girl who are carrying the gospel to a fretting and worried world. They're beautiful. God says that's beautiful. Can you see the imagery? Here they come. You see them along the mountains and they're running. They've got a, they've got a message. They've got a news. They've got something to tell. Here they come. I'm sure in Paul's day, the, the visual and the imagery was so much more real than we can even imagine for us today. You see, faith doesn't come by visions. Faith doesn't come by dreams. Faith doesn't come by seeing angels sitting on your bed. That's a demon. That's what that is. It's not an angel of God. I was telling men's prayer the other night. I was talking to a lady yesterday morning, talking to a lady. I told the men at men's prayer yesterday morning about a time when I was talking to a lady, who a Catholic lady who said, oh, Mary, Mary, she saw Mary and she introduced her to, de- to Jesus. And I said, no, that was a demon. That wasn't Jesus. Yeah. 
Faith doesn't come by that. I remember witnessing to a guy many weeks, I'd go back to his house, and uh, they're in Aurora. Every week I'd go back to his house, and all he kept saying, you know, my mom got to see something. My mom saw something really neat, and she believed. If I could just see something like my mom saw, I'll believe. And I said, no, you won't. I said, you you can't believe because you won't believe. It's your choice. Man, I spent week after week with him. It's not by being a member of a church. Faith doesn't come by your baptism. Faith doesn't come by your feverish soul winning. What? Can I tell you there's people out there that believe that their soul winning is evidence of their salvation? Yeah. The fruit of righteousness is the tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. And they believe that is an evidence of being saved, and they get out there and they feverishly go out soul winning because really, obviously, they've got something bothering them about their salvation. It's just another work, friend. You know we're all about soul winning. That's not how faith comes. Salvation comes by believing Jesus. Not believing in Him. The Bible says believing on. But let me even bring it down even further. Believing Him. I quoted the verse earlier. The Apostle Paul said, I know who I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. I've said this over and over. Don't forget this. He didn't say in whom I believed. He said, I know whom I believed. I, what, what would Paul say? I believe Jesus. I believe everything what he says. I believe everything that he did. I believe everything that he accomplished. I believe him. And salvation comes by believing Jesus and calling upon him by faith. But listen to me this morning. People can't call if they haven't heard. Have you called upon Jesus? Have you? Have you called upon Him? Do you remember that day? When under the conviction of the Spirit of God, you knew that you were wrong and He was right, and you came before Him in in humility and repentance. I I don't care about the words that you said, but the heart cried out to God, and whatever words that came out of your mouth... And essentially what you said, you are right and I am wrong and I repent and I need you to save me now. I don't know how those words were. You know what your heart was. You remember that day when you called upon the Lord and you got up from there and you walked away lighter than you ever walked in your life. Yeah. It was gone. It was gone. It was gone. It was all gone. Yeah. Clean. Ah, wasn't it nice being clean? Called on Jesus. And he saved you. Let me ask you this morning though. What are you preaching? What are you preaching? You preaching sports? Preaching politics? No, some people are out there with great urgency with their politics and their sports. You preaching finances and money? It's sad because they don't save. What a waste of breath. Not a waste of breath to talk about them, but it's a waste of thing to preach with urgency. See, we have been commissioned to run with the gospel. You know what we need to do this morning is we just need to run. Can I tell you, a lot of of believers have stopped running. They've stopped running. We need to run with the gospel this morning. 
Our Father, thank you for the message this morning, for the word this morning. I'm thankful, O God, that you pursued me, that your Holy Spirit convicted me for years, and that when I turned to you by faith and repentance, believing Jesus, they got up from that place justified and saved. Thank you for that. Thank you for the testimony of so many in here that have been born again of the Spirit of God. They know the day that they came to you. They know the day when they called upon the Lord Jesus. They called upon you and you saved them. They know that. They know that. But Father, there are many out there that, yes, they're not going, they don't want to believe. They've heard and they won't believe. But there are so many out there, oh God, that don't have anything to believe. No, we know they have creation and a conscience. And we know, we know, oh God, that when they respond to the light that they do have, that you, you'll reveal yourself. You'll bring them the gospel one way or the other. The gospel will get to them. They'll have to believe that. But Lord, what does it say about our character as an individual child of God that we wouldn't run with this gospel message, that we'd get so tied up in other things? And we all do. How shall they hear without a preacher? Father, we've been sent. You've sent us out. The Lord Jesus has sent us. And I pray, Father, you'd help us to run. Run with the gospel. Where we work, in our family, the places we go. Lord, just help us to run. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Would you do a work in our hearts today? Would you do some change today that we'd submit to you and surrender to you today in the areas of our life that your Holy Spirit, even now, is working in, on in our own hearts? Would you help us to surrender to that? In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand this morning, if you would. The invitation is open. However, God has spoken to you this morning. Are you running with the gospel? God has placed you where he has you on purpose. You have heard You have heard it said, bloom where you're planted, right? And God has placed you at a job. He's placed you in a family. He's placed you in certain areas. And your, your job and your responsibility is to run with the gospel. Are you running this morning? Are you running? Hey, you, maybe you've slowed down. You've been running, but boy, it's kind of slowed down a little bit, trying to catch your breath. I know there's no doubt there's families in here that have children. Listen to me. They have children that are on their way to hell. They are on their way to a Christless hell. And we need to run with the gospel. Are you going to run? We need some more runners, friend. We need people to arm up with tracks. We need people to, to arm up with the, and get in the Word of God and study and get out. We need people to get on phones and invite people to church. Just invite them to come to church to hear the gospel. Say, I don't know what to say. Just say, come. Yeah. Are you running?